Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian C. Adams. Tune in weekly to hear from top industry leaders as we discuss relevant topics in the world of business, investing, health and wellness, geopolitics, and more. To learn more about the show, visit excelsiorgp.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club Podcast. Today with me, Julie Wall. Julie is an old friend. She is a psychotherapist, life and wellness coach, and leader in the wellness industry. She has spent her career supporting ultra-high performers as well as individuals navigating challenging physical and or mental health issues using an integrative approach, which we'll get into. Julie was one of my first guests ever on the show. So we're talking years ago. I think your company had a different name. My podcast had a different name. We've been through a lot of things since then. So thanks so much for coming back on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. So your brother is like one of my best friends in Nashville. So small world. That's how we originally got connected. He's in the financial services space. Maybe talk us through, first came on, we really focused on your book and the business. Maybe give folks a little bit of background in terms of how you got into this space and what that origination story looked like for you. Absolutely. So I started my career as a clinical social worker, working with a really interesting range of populations in New York City. I worked with some of the most disenfranchised people in Manhattan or in the boroughs, really, and found through that work that I was carrying a lot of stress and needed to figure out how to support myself. And so I really dove deeply into learning anything and everything about wellness, about stress management, about really how to support myself in the work that I was doing and ended up developing sort of a side hustle where I was working with some really interesting leaders, just people in New York City who were doing very bleeding edge work in the financial realm, in the investment world, in fashion, in really the arts. And 
so by day I was working in mental health clinics and, you know, kind of in the mornings and in the evenings, I was working with these ultra high performers in more of a coaching capacity, leveraging everything that I had learned about mental health and about wellness and combining that so that these high performers could use it as a, use these ideas and concepts and tools and resources as sort of a secret weapon in their own lives, both personally and professionally to manage stress and, you know, drive high performance. And this goes back to, you know, the early 2000s. And one thing led to another. And many of the leaders that I was working with said, you know, this work, this integrative approach to understanding myself, to understanding how to cope with, you know, challenges has been so impactful and so positive for my performance and my well-being that I want everybody that works for me to have the same experience. And so leaders started bringing us into their companies and that's when my business was born. And so it was at that juncture that we really continued to do two things. We continued to work with high performing leaders individually and that then expanded to some of their their friends and family members and we worked with high performing organizations that wanted to embody some of these same concepts and values that we were working with leaders on yeah i mean it's one of those things that you know when you talk about your social work and working with that population and then this high performing financial services or media cohort huge differences in terms of resources, but challenges are probably pretty similar when it comes down to it in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the biggest takeaways in my work at that chapter of my life, particularly, I mean, to set the scene, you know, I would take the subway up to the Bronx and work all day with, you know, people who had really very little in terms of financial resources, in terms of education. And then I would take the subway down to Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue and work with my clients in the evenings. And, and everybody was really, was really worrying about similar types of issues. You know, everybody was worrying about their kids. Everybody was worrying about money. Everybody was worrying about, you know, someone who was abusing substances in their world or challenging relationships or, you know, you name it. It was very similar themes, just in different outfits, right? And so there was a lot of commonality around some of the suffering that was happening in, in these two different populations. And one of the things that I learned is that, I think we talked about this the last time we spoke, was there was also some very, very clear resources that proved to be highly valuable to both populations that were 100% really free, right? And those are the four pillars of movement, stillness, connection, and nourishment. And looking at these practices or these ingredients in life and how those ingredients were helping resource individuals as they navigated whatever the stressors of their lives were or the challenges that they were facing. And so I think those are really the fundamentals, right? Am I moving every day? Am I f getting enough rest and sleep? Am I feeding my body with nourishing foods? And am I tapping into community and relationship in a way that is going to serve me moving forward. And, and amazingly, oftentimes, even the most sophisticated people were really missing major, you know, major aspects of those ingredients in their day-to-day -day life. So that was 101, fundamental. And one of the things that's 
evolved in, in my work is that after we cover kind of those fundamentals, there's many layers of the onion to peel off in terms of, you know, self-work or that personal growth and healing process. Yeah. What's so interesting about your practice and your experiences, you know, I think you started kind of in that post 9-11 era. Mm -hmm. Wellness was really not a term used freely, especially within business or financial services communities. And so you were really the vanguard of that whole movement. Could you talk to us about, it almost seems like it's gone so far to the other side of the extreme that now people use the term without really understanding what it is. If you talk about your integrative coaching and you talk about the four pillars, how do you almost re-educate clients today about wellness and self-work? Because it seems like a term that gets used so broadly that it's almost lost meaning to a lot of people. Absolutely. I think one just comment on that idea is that, you know, back when I, I first got into wellness, it was the 90s. And at that time, it was only people who were real, what they called seekers, right? People who were sort of on a spiritual path, or maybe a little bit of a hippie, or a little weird, or a little not mainstream. And then there was kind of like the suits, right? There were the people that were not going down that path, and that were climbing, you know, the corporate ladder. And it was really interesting. And that was sort of the way that it was organized in people's minds around wellness, people who did yoga or meditated. And you went into these places, these venues, and it was people who weren't, you know, necessarily like working nine to five jobs. It was the artists or the people who were maybe a little bit more on the fringe of things. And as technology has evolved and as people's lives have changed and as the smartphone kind of came into play, what ended up happening with wellness is that it used to be for some, you know, for people who were sort of seeking some other, some higher consciousness or some other way of experience, experiencing life. But as life has become increasingly stressful and intense with our sort of 24-7 plugged-in culture, wellness started to become a necessity, right? It started to become, it used to be that meditation, stillness was built into day-to-day -day life because you just have to sit on a bench and wait for a bus or sit in a restaurant and wait for your friend to, to show up. And, and you literally just have to be in your own body and sit in your own skin. And you couldn't scroll or answer emails or answer texts or listen to things on your headphones. And so there was so much built in reflective time and processing time. And when smartphones came along, all of that went away. And now these basic fundamentals, you know, became needed for all human beings wellness just became a necessity. And then kind of fast forward to what you're talking about. And now it's, you know, so widely, so widely discussed. And so often people come to me and say, I'm meditating every day. I'm exercising every day. I'm not eating sugar. I'm doing all these things. And I'm still not, I'm still not doing so well. <laughs> I'm still not okay. And that's kind of what I was getting at before when I said, those are sort of like the fundamentals, but really the self-work is that with the right kind of support, I think people need to look at the belief systems that they hold that drive their feelings, that drive their behavior, and understanding where those belief systems come from and if those belief systems really serve them. So oftentimes our belief systems stem from experiences 
throughout childhood and throughout our life. And we develop these belief systems, oftentimes that are based on the thinking of a child or the way of understanding you know, the world from a very black and white, not very nuanced perspective. When we form these belief systems and then we build a whole life based on them and a whole way of orienting to everything based on those belief systems. And so, you know, oftentimes it's those belief systems that even get in the way of things like getting enough sleep, simple things, right? Or feeding our bodies in a way that that feels healthy or taking time for reflection or creativity or pleasure, joy, things like that. And so on the one hand, you know, we start with this concept of the four pillars. And then we end up learning that people bump into all kinds of obstacles. And then even with, even if they are doing, you know, incorporating these things in their lives, it it doesn't solve everything because there's a whole backtrack, you know, going on in the back of the mind all the time that can be really painful for people. So I guess all that to say integrative work is really when we take the best, or at least in, in my work, where I take the best of my clinical background and combine that with everything that I've learned in the wellness world in terms of meditation practices and movement practices and you know where emotions live in the body the way that the psyche is organized even things you know like working doing things like inner child type of work understanding when young parts of ourselves get in the driver's seat and kind of start driving the bus in ways that might not reflect the most mature, wise versions of who we are. And so we bring in all those concepts, all those ideas, all those tools and resources, and ultimately just meet people where they are and pull out the right resources and tools along the journey. I want to revisit the comment you made about the belief systems. Mm-hmm. This is something that I've been re- reflecting on a lot. If you're a high performer, high achieving professional financial services person, mm-hmm. right? So hedge fund manager, partner at a white shoe law firm, folks that are probably your bread and butter clientele. If since they were a kid, they were raised to have these external achievements, these exogenous signposts, right? Having a certain apartment in a certain neighborhood, having a second home in a certain beach community, having access to a plane, whatever. (laughs) Have you found those are some of your sickest clients? Because there's really, there's no internal motivation at the end of the day when they hit those external markers they're i would assume that they get pretty sad if they're being open and honest with you upon reflection right yeah there's an underlying belief system of oftentimes of i'm not enough like i'm not enough even with the plane and even with the house and the all the bells and whistles whistles and the fancy vacations like that deeper belief system of these are the things that validate me that i'm not enough is it haunts people and you know people achieve wonderful things but if they're not having an inner climate that feels that feels nourished and nurtured and whole and like they they genuinely are enough with the plane without the plane i think it can cause i know it can cause a lot of suffering and ultimately can really affect people's ability to continue to grow professionally and personally. So sometimes it's the same exact thing or belief system that drives people pretty hard at the beginning of a career and maybe gives them a fair amount of success that becomes a liability 
at a certain point in their career when kind of they've gotten all they could get out of that limiting belief system. And there's a new belief system that's necessary in order for them to continue to grow and evolve professionally and personally. We put together a free resource available exclusively to our podcast listeners. If you're looking for strategies to safeguard your portfolio against inflation, you want to check out our latest guide on the best alternative investments to consider. Head to ExcelsiorGP.com slash download to learn more. So this is kind of, I think, the meat of the whole conversation I wanted to have with you, which is terrific. Because it's this paradox, right, of all of the things that it takes to get you to achieve some of those external markers are probably like a huge amount of volume of work, travel, time away from your family, time away from yourself in terms of self-care, exercise, nutrition. I mean, you're like punishing yourself to get to this place. Whereas externally, everybody else who's looking at it is saying, you're incredibly well-resourced with money and time, theoretically. But in order to get there, you have to sacrifice that money and time and health in a lot of ways to achieve it. Until you hit like a tipping point, oftentimes with entrepreneurs, how do you help them navigate that tipping point to have them realize that in order to get to that next level, and we talk about this, I know, in your literature about overcoming these patterns that no longer serve you, that it's not always about the volume of time, that you actually can achieve more if you take a step back for yourself and for your family and for those underlying kind of internal intrinsic value systems, if you build them up correctly. Yeah. So tell me what you, what was the original question? Because now- <laughs> How do you help convince that client that's going to work for them, right? Because they've only known one thing typically, which is I work more, I work harder. Yeah. I spend more time away from my family. I sacrifice more time away from like myself in terms mm-hmm. of nutrition and exercise, meditation, whatever. And to show them, listen, like you'll actually be able to break through a lot of these barriers if you get out of your own circuitry that you've been working on for 20, 25 years. Yeah. Oftentimes we talk about sort of just like an iPhone needing to sort of update the operating system that you know, the operating system is based on kind of older ideas, older beliefs, and an old feedback loop around behavior and success and performance. And that, like most operating systems, has kind of run its course, that it's not optimized anymore. And so then the first step is really shining the light of awareness. So helping people build awareness of like, what are my belief systems that are driving me in this way that's no longer serving me. So first we have to really get the lay of the land. It's like turning on the lights in a messy closet and you kind of take inventory about what's in there if you're cleaning out that closet and reorganizing, which is really what we're talking about, sort of reorganizing the psyche. Then after you sort of shine the light of awareness, there's usually some deeper healing work because usually those belief systems, there's pain associated with that. There's sadness, there's fear, maybe there's grief. And so helping people look at what, where did those beliefs come from? And, you know, how do I nurture the younger parts of me that might still be using that, you know, might be sort of the originators of that, the creators of that operating system. They did it out of fear. They did it out of wanting to be good enough. They did it out of wanting to be loved. They did it out of wanting to feel, you know, to feel strong and confident. 
or to be who they think they should have been. And so there's sort of what we call reparenting work that comes into play when we sort of take care of the wounded parts of ourselves. We have to call on kind of the wiser parts of ourselves to take care of the wounded parts of ourselves, the wiser parts that know they need to update the operating system, that know that there's a different way because they wouldn't be here having this conversation if they didn't think that and taking care of sort of the younger parts that are maybe a little stuck. So that's kind of part, sort of the second part. And then I would say, you know, the third part is after we've done some of that work to nurture those more difficult or painful aspects of ourselves, we have to think of new ways to operate. We need, what is the new operating system? What are the new belief systems? And that is a practice because oftentimes it's like we're literally sort of building new circuits in the brain, new ways of thinking, right? If we always look in the mirror and we say, I look like crap, and that's just what comes to mind, you know, when we look in the mirror or I don't like the way my body looks or whatever, that's a habit. It's a thinking habit. If we start actually practicing, looking in the mirror and saying, wow, I look beautiful. Look at me. You know, even if it's a fake it till you make it, even if we really don't believe it, if we start working on building that belief system and repeating that inner dialogue and inner conversation, things start to sort of shift from there. And so we start to build the new belief systems and the new neural pathways that are representative of what sort of the more updated, wisest version of ourselves believes. And it takes work to do that. Yeah, I was going to say it. I think in our society today, especially when it comes to this type of conversation, we want like a magic bullet, pharmaceutical, take a pill and change this. And I like your term of integrative coaching because I've what I've discovered over the last five years myself is it seems cliche, but it's not one thing. It's like everything, right? But it's hard to tell somebody that and say, well, yeah, I mean, it's like what you eat, what you do, how you think. I think this is changing, but there certainly is a resistance, especially to maybe kind of the older generation of bringing in a professional to help them with this. They think that oftentimes they can do it on their own, which is so bizarre to me because these people pay top dollar for like the best accountants, the best attorneys, the best deal people. But when it comes to themselves, they're like incredibly cheap and short-sighted often. So true. It's really amazing. And it really is. And that in and of itself is like a limiting belief, right? That more of a fixed mindset around personal growth and personal development and investing in ourselves in that way. So yeah. I think that's spot on. It's really funny because oftentimes people will come and say, well, I I heard that you're an executive coach, right? You work with executives. And I say, I do work with executives. I work with many incredible leaders. So why are we talking about like things that feel so deep, right? Why are we talking about this type of material instead of, I don't know, things that are more executive sounding? And It's really integrative work, in my opinion, sort of spans the gamut of sometimes we're talking about things as simple as executive functioning and organization and communication and how to do those things really effectively. And it's really the operationalizing of all of the deeper work. But I can't tell you over 25 years of working with people 
It's usually that oftentimes people find that they have trouble either operationalizing the deeper work or they figure out how to do things differently, but the deeper belief systems keep sneaking up on them and pulling them back into old patterns. And so in my experience, it's really a combination of some of this deeper, more psychological work combined with really the operationalizing, the behavior, the thinking parts of it, the habitual parts of it. And when, you know, that combined are what enable people to actually make change. It's a hard concept to explain, but it makes sense to me. I'm going on this personal journey through meditation of trying to understand and work through this concept that like, I'm not my thoughts, which I thought ostensibly would be fairly straightforward. But every day I seem to get more and more confused by the idea of it and like how that works in terms of my own reality and my own experience and being able to separate those two things. And I mean, this is a lifetime of work, right? And I think oftentimes it can be intimidating to people because when they get a little bit into it, like they work with you probably for a few months and they realize, man, like this is going to be a lifetime journey, right? Which is is good and, and probably also hard for some people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's that concept of you are not your thought, I think is, I can understand why that one's, that one's a big one to wrestle with. The cool thing about thoughts are that thoughts are something that, that we can actually control. Our mind can be like a wild horse, or we can actually intentionally try to create thinking patterns that serve us. So when we start to realize how powerful our, that our thoughts really drive us, if we can think about what it would be like to be able to sort of get some control over our thoughts and think with intention, that can become just really incredible because our thoughts are what drive our feelings and our thoughts and our feelings are what drive our behavior. So if we can start to reorganize our thoughts intentionally, everything starts to feel a little bit different, right? I have a son who's heading off to college in a couple of weeks for the first time And I can either sit here and think about, I'm worried about this. And what if this happens? And I'm worried about that. And I can really, believe me, (laughs) I could go down the rabbit hole worrying about basically just anything and everything when it comes to this kid launching, right? He's going to Europe. Or I can say to myself, he's going to have such an adventure. It's going to be amazing. And I'm sure some things will go wrong. And I'm sure some things will go right. But what an incredible adventure this child is going to go on. I have to choose that. And that changes everything. It changes everything, right? So like you are the story you tell yourself. And if you reframe, like I'm going through this, trying to rewire my idea of reward. Like at the end of the week, what is my reward? Or if I work really hard, what is my reward that I give to myself? And you can say, oh yeah, it's drinking two bottles of wine and eating pizza. Or you could be like, well, I'm going to go take a cold plunge and a sauna and go for an hour long walk. Like you can change that over time, right? And it can like fundamentally change your entire life experience just by reframing the story that you're telling yourself. Like you talked about what you say in the mirror, like you are that story, but it can change if you have the right resources and the right help, which is hugely powerful. Totally, totally. Well, Julie, I want to thank you for coming on. Could you do a call out for your website, the newsletter, if people are interested in getting in touch with you about the work you do, maybe the folks that you work with right now, if people are interested in connecting? 
Absolutely. Our website is heyitsgolden.com, H-E-Y-I-T-S-G-O-L-D-E-N.com. My personal email address is julie at heyitsgolden.com. My personal handles are at Julie D. Wald and business handle is at heyitsgolden. So would love to connect. Yeah, like I said, I definitely encourage people to leave us a review, commentary on the conversation, and then check out the newsletter, check out the website. She puts out great content and does incredible work with some super high achieving people and, and has a really deep expertise. Julie, one thing that we started doing on the show is when people come on, I finished by asking them, and this is kind of a slam dunk with you, but if you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? Absolutely. Every day I have to do three things actually. And I try to get them in the morning, but if I don't, I just, it's like a three thing checklist that I, I sneak it in later in the day if needed. But I always do about 15 to 20 minutes of some sort of a hybrid movement practice, incorporating yoga, incorporating strength work, and some Pilates. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 15 minutes. It's all, all in that realm. I always take at least a 30-minute walk every day. And I do probably about a five to 10-minute meditation practice every day, varying different types of practices or different types of modalities. So I find that if I can, all in all, it's about an hour. I find that if I can stick to that hour and make that happen every day, it's life-changing for me. It's mentally and physically. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on the show again. It was great. We'll have to do it again when I hit episode 500 or whatever, if I keep going, but thank you for carving out the time. I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on and best of luck getting your son out the door and managing through all that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Brian. So great to, to reconnect and looking forward to doing it again sometime. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation on the Capital Club podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and leave us a review. And please follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 